podcast, part of Garden Church in Southern California. My name is Darren Galindo, and today we have a Sunday recap discussion from last Sunday's sermon entitled Power Over Darkness. So if you haven't heard the sermon from Sunday, I encourage you to go over to our main podcast, Garden Church Podcast, to give it a listen and then pop back over here. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date with everything that we're doing here at Garden Church. So now let's go to the conversation with Darren and Darren. It's you and me, dude. Just us two, bro. It's the Darrens. Let's go. It's the Darren Show. (laughs) Darren Charles, bro. The Darren Charles Show, yes. People don't know that. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, uh, both me, Darren Galindo, and Darren Roundsen had amazing parents who decided to call us Darren Charles. Uh, That's amazing. So, yeah. yeah. And what what is the name meaning? So, this is so funny. The name Darren means great, and the name Charles means man. So there you go. Great man. I mean, I feel like that describes us perfectly. <laughs> Hopefully one day we'll live up to our name. Yeah. Well, I guess we, you should ask our wives if that yes. is accurate. Yeah. So. Alex will say, depending on if he's fed. Um. <laughs> yeah, we can get a little grumpy Angry, when you're hungry. You know, that's yeah. it. Um, so glad we're here. We're just two of us today talking through this stuff. That's right. We had an incredible incredible day on Sunday. Um, worship was fire. The teaching was fire. What were we talking about on Sunday? Yes. Um, we have three services. And I just want to say, if you haven't come to church, come check it out. Come to our night service. Night service has been fire. I am so excited with what God is doing there. What's happening? Okay, so we're in a series called Jesus People. Mm-hmm. And we're talking through what it means to be a follower of Jesus today. And I've kind of broken out the categories as like teachings and ministry and uh, kind of Jesus ideas. How did he see the world? We want to take his worldview and apply it to ourselves. And then second is lifestyle habits and practices, things that we've done forever, spiritual formation, disciplines of the spirit. Um, we're taking, looking at Jesus's lifestyle and saying, how do we, how do we embody these things? And the third piece is looking at the attributes, characteristics, the nature of God and looking at becoming those things over time. How do we do it? How do we integrate those things? This last week, we kicked off the seventh topic, and it was on deliverance. Mm. The title of the sermon was Power Over Darkness. And if you look at the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there is a clear theme for something we call deliverance, which is the act of setting, saving someone or setting somebody free. And all throughout the Old Testament, you hear this kind of language that when the Messiah would come, the servant would come, um, he would set captives free. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, he uses the, you know, the, the kingdom narratives of the Old Testament, the ideas of what God was going to do. He embodies that and he takes Isaiah 61 and he talks about that in his ministry. Mm-hmm. And if you sur- like summarize all of the gospels, you see that the the primary ministry of Jesus really comes down to three things. And I, I think oftentimes we miss this, but he he proclaims the kingdom of God. So that was his message. Mm-hmm. So he's he's teaching the kingdom. That's what he that's what he teaches. The second the second two are kind of connected. He heals the sick and he casts out demons. Mm-hmm. So those are the three primary kind of focuses of Jesus in his earthly ministry while he was with us. And then he commissions his disciples to continue his ministry. So we talked about the kingdom of God um, when we started our series. We talked about healing the sick. 
And this week we talked about deliverance of evil spirits. And so we talked through the theology of it. We looked at some texts and we talked about how we step into authority and engage in a warfare worldview. I love the authority mindset because I feel like a lot of people just carry something with them that makes them feel like, oh, you know, attention not on me or I'm not worth it or I'm not, I'm not enough. But yeah. as, as Christians, yeah. we are more than conquerors. We're powerful people. We have the Holy Spirit. Like, talk a little bit about the authority aspect mm. and just speak life uh, yeah. over us. Uh, such a good observation. Like, the observation that so many Christians live with a mindset of defeat or insecurity where their identity is not secure in Christ mm -hmm. in, in, in as the beloved child of God, as saint, holy, as commissioned into the kingdom, as a, a partner with God in extending his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we walk around, you know, insulated in our own identities and we don't actually get to a place where we are living out of our true identity in Jesus, mm -hmm. which if you live out of your true identity, you are, as scripture says, you're more than a conqueror. You are seated with him, like in the heavenly places. Like when you close your eyes and you imagine what the spiritual realities look like, it's Christ on a throne surrounded by angels worshiping him. And that is the operating center of the universe. Like, so the, 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 resurrected Jesus Christ sits on a throne are kind of overseeing all of the world. And when we imagine that in prayer, when we read the, the stories in the narratives in the epistles of what, you know, Paul or John says about us, you know, Paul will say some extravagant things about being seated with or being, being co-heirs with Christ. So mm -hmm. I just think from the beginning, we got to start with our authority is not in ourself. It's not in our ideas. Our authority is not found in how holy we are or how much work we do for the church or with Christ. Our authority is simply found in Christ. That is the number one phrase that's used over and over again by the Apostle Paul to define our identities. Mm -hmm. He calls us holy or saints, and he calls us, he says, we are in Christ. So when you take that as your identity, when you begin to like work that out into the practical, then you get you begin to see that when you're living your ordinary life, you need to walk with a, some kind of authority. You need to walk with the, the power that Christ expects from you. That's a whole other conversation, but that's kind of the idea behind it. So it, it clearly, authority it is connected to identity in many ways. So, Yeah, and I want to get into the, the simplicity of this authority because yeah. you and I both have kids that yes. have struggled in the spiritual space yep. and they have authority. And it's, uh, I want to get into that further, but right. before we do get there, can you talk a little bit about the phrase of being hidden in Christ? Like our identity yeah. is protected. And again, coupled with that, you know, somewhat insecurity uh, feeling that Christians can walk around with without knowing what does it mean to be hidden in Christ? Yeah, it's great. Well, it's coming from this text. I'll, I'll anchor it here in Colossians 3. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things for you died and your life is currently now hidden in Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Mm. So this is Colossians chapter three, verse one through four. This text, I mean, 
what a rich, powerful text. Paul's, you know, writing to the church in Colossae. He's talking to them about what it means in this section to live in response to what God has done. And he, he uses this, uh, this language and he'll, he'll, he'll talk about baptism later on, but he, he says, okay, past since you have been raised with Christ, he's saying, look, when you come into faith with Jesus, there is a, there's a dynamic where your life now, your, your old self has died with cro- Jesus on the cross and it's been raised with him in the resurrection. This is kind of his framework for this, but he's, he's giving you this idea that you are to set your heart and your mind on the things that are above. Um, it, not on earthly things, so that's a real practical thing. But this line, he says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So what he's saying is, look, there's some type of mysterious thing that takes place when we come into faith. And that mysterious place is simply this. When you are baptized into faith, when you're baptized into uh, into the uh, into Jesus, you, your life is hidden in Christ. And he says, which is in God. So that idea is like your life's hidden in Christ. Hitting God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Like we're just surrounded by the presence mm-hmm. of God. I think that's a more accurate perspective too. The more accurate perspective is not you on the outside with the whole God living inside of you, but what Paul says, and I've used like Tupperware as an example, like you're like this action figure inside a little Tupperware box, which is Jesus, and inside another bigger Tupperware box, which is the Spirit, and then, and then the Father. So we have this perspective that we're in Christ. That's kind of what... I think is what you're getting at. Yeah. And I love that visual because try to mess with that little action figure. Totally. You can't get to it because you have to get through the bigger boxes yeah. and what's going to get through the bigger boxes. Like yeah. that we're talking about God, Jesus and the yeah. Holy spirit. Like they're on your team. And so what does this have to do with evil spirits? You know, so oftentimes we give the enemy, if you didn't listen to the talk, you got to listen to the talk. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more theology and context. And we've done series on this in the past. So we've done a series called deliver us and battle ready. So if you go through our history and library, there's tons of stuff on this. We've done trainings on deliverance. So there's all sorts of theology here, but you know, you're talking about why our identity is so important, knowing what God thinks about us and who we are because of who God is. So when we talk about, you know, evil out there, which it is, we also have to recognize that there's the power inside of us, like greater is he inside of us than who's in the world. And the Lord uh, surrounds us with his presence and empowers us to live free in all these things. So so when we talk about the authority, our identity is secure, um, this is simple stuff. And again, yeah. coming coming to our kids. Yeah, this um, is great. I know like we, I just, I was just telling you my two kids, they've been seeing some stuff, which is like yeah. scary. And like, right. you know, for parents, it's, it's when your kids have night terrors or they have just a big imagination, right. there is potential for there to be a spiritual component right. to that. Right. This is something that me and my wife, we weren't always aware of and being at the garden and knowing how to equip, knowing, you know, that little skull and crossbones, little toy that we got from somewhere we're like, Hey, it, is this the best place for this to be like maybe we should not have this in the room and maybe it's inviting some darkness in but just this last week and couple weeks my younger son um, who is a little bit more sensitive uh, to spiritual things you know he comes crying and you know kind of scary situation I'm obviously maybe not obviously but I don't operate as well as I hope so like I'm disappointed with him for coming out of the bedroom when he should be sleeping so I'm like what are you doing and he's like I see a dark thing mm. and he's telling me I'm going to go to hell and he's crying tears. He's like, but I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, 
this is something that right. we need to get around. And so like we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name be gone. Um, and just last night, um, you know, telling him, you know, after being equipped on Sunday, yeah. like you don't just tell the demons to go away. Yes. You tell them send where them to go. To Jesus. You yeah. send them to Jesus. Yeah. And so like my kids and your kids yeah. have been equipped totally. because they're capable of carrying the power of the Holy Spirit with them right. to when they wake up in the middle of the night scared, they pray in Jesus name, darkness be gone, go to Jesus and never yeah. come back. That's so good, bro. And I think that was one of the points is like train your kids in warfare. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes we, we think like, oh, this is a happy, safe place you know, where we're, you know, we're living in this comfortable world. We don't realize there are spiritual powers working against God's good and beautiful creation and, and his children, you know, and, and I think kids in particular, especially if they're sensitive, like, you know, people are more sensitive to spiritual things than other people. Um, but kids who are sensitive pick up on the vibe of the room or, you know, people mm -hmm. use the word energy or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you have to train them to, uh, begin to engage in battle because then they also learn the authority they carry mm -hmm. where it's not okay I, I have to run to mommy and daddy every time it's like and that will happen in the beginning but eventually they're like I'm praying against these things mm -hmm. and I'm you know um, like what you're talking about like stepping into the simple things of deliverance like oftentimes we make deliverance a super complex thing mm -hmm. and there's all sorts of literature there's all sorts of trainings out there there's different models of deliverance ministry you know there's truth models and you know power encounter models and other kinds as well and and they're all great you should read all those things i i have my own perspective on those things um but i would say it actually is very simple it's that simple prayer that i i i I, I taught everyone like the seven step process and it's so simple. It's like pray in, it says, so if you're in a situation where you're like, oh, I don't know, that's the other thing. Like sometimes is it a weird vibe? Is it a demon? I don't always know, right? You don't always know. We're practicing discernment. But when your kids are like, hey, I'm seeing something, I'm scared, mm -hmm. I'm having nightmares. There, there is a level of, okay, um, we got to pray, we got to pray for you and we got to teach you how to pray. Mm -hmm. So if, with my kids and the same as yours, like what we do is we pray for anyone, like in the, in the authority and power and in the name of Jesus, you command the evil spirit to depart. So like if you're in a room, you say like, I command the evil spirit to depart from this room without disturbance, without harming anyone and go straight to Jesus, never to return. And I, and then you pray. The other thing is you pray to the Lord Jesus Christ that God would fill the space with his Holy Spirit. So that that's kind of the practice, and we can we have this online, but the idea really is like taking the authority that comes from being in Christ and in his name, and, and then not asking permission from the enemy. You mm -hmm. tell the enemy what to do. You tell the demons where to go, and you tell them, to, you send them to Jesus. I've talked to playfully around some stories where that didn't happen, and then you invite the presence of God. So oftentimes, when there's warfare in our home, which it happens, you know, and sometimes it doesn't feel like flesh and, well, it could feel like flesh and blood, but it's not flesh and blood. You know, it might be old patterns of conflict between Alex and I, or our kids are not sleeping, or one of our kids has anxiety or something. And it's not just anxiety. It's not just sleeplessness. There's other stuff going on. We want to address it spiritually as well. And in those moments, like we, we teach them to pray. We read scripture together. We've, we've printed scriptures that they read on their, on the, near their bed, or um, they've memorized some of them now. And, um, and then we also worship. That's another thing. I, I think I, I missed that on Sunday, but man, whenever you feel like there's an environment where it's like darkness, the 
best thing is to praise God. Mm -hmm. Like just start singing out loud to the Lord with joy. I think joy, you know, if you're filled with joy, that pushes back against kind of the despair of darkness. Yeah, the opposite spirit. Yeah, the opposite. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) This is such a practical one. And like I tell people this all the time. They're like, okay, this is good. There's something I learned from someone um, who was helping my wife and I during COVID. He had a prophetic word about something we were experiencing as a family. We didn't put together that there was a spiritual attack happening and it clearly was. But he said, one of the things that we had to do is operate in the opposite spirit. And so we started navigating that in our family. Whenever we feel like there's agitation or conflict or spiritual warfare happening, we often try to name what what is the thing. Mm-hmm. And I say in, in marriages, like this is a great example, like we bring accusations to our spouse like you never do this you always and if you're a someone who's constantly bringing accusations like you could be tearing down your spouse and Mm -hmm. and i said this playfully again on sunday but it's like you can literally be a hammer and nail for the kingdom of darkness in your marriage yeah versus you know a hammer and nail for the kingdom of god where you're building up your spouse right and I want to touch on this a little bit because this this is something that my wife and I have a deep conviction of. Um, I had a friend of mine who he was confronted by a friend of his and his friend was like, every time you talk about your wife, you're joking. Mm, totally. And, and like how many, how many couples, how many spouses? It's just like, it's fun. Like, oh yeah, like yeah. my wife, you know, and yeah. like, it's this thing yeah, that it's, it's somehow acceptable to talk poorly yeah. about totally. your spouse. Yep. And like my wife and I have a covenant where no one will ever hear me say something bad about my wife so ever. Good. Yeah. And every single time she comes up in conversation, she's beautiful. She's amazing. Yeah. She's a great mom. Like all this, all this stuff, because I'm with her. She's, she's on my team. And everybody should know that. Yes. And she should feel safe knowing that. 100%. And I'm not worried that when she's talking about me with her with her friends or with other people, like she kind of makes me sound better than what I am, I feel like sometimes. Yeah. But that's that's the point. Like if we can do that with our spouses and somehow think it's fair to like dig, yes. to joke, yeah. to like, you know, whatever whatever it is, it's like we're dishonoring yeah. other people and, and like to tie it back with what your point is, we're kind of like aligning ourselves with the enemy. Yeah. He doesn't have to go after my spouse anymore because yeah. I've already done that. You're and doing that's a horrible him, thought. hundred percent. And we do that in marriage. We do that with our kids. We do that with coworker relationships. We do it in culture settings where there's like a communal thought or like group think going on where we just go along with things that could be destructive. We don't even realize it like pessimism, sarcasm, um, despair, like there's ways that we might inhibit these concepts that are actually like agreements with the enemy, mm-hmm. you know? And so like the, the trick would be if you've noticed, you know, Hey, someone calls it out. Like, Hey, you, every time you talk about your wife, you're joking about her mm-hmm. and she's the pun of the joke. Um, you, you either take that and go, gosh, like I can change or I'll keep going. And when you identify the problem, you go, okay, what's the opposite of accusation and putting down it. The opposite is affirmation Mm -hmm. and building. So now 
you're used to build up your spouse. Or let's say you're in a, an environment that's full of despair or hopelessness. Like your job is in that space to bring hope and talk about the possibility of what could happen versus always call, calling out the negative. Mm-hmm. I think the future crit- present. Yeah, yeah, like that criti- critical, fe- like when, we, when we're constantly criticizing and pulling out the negative, like the opposite of that would be prophetic culture. Think about this. Like prophecy is used in the church to strengthen to edify, to encourage, to comfort, to build up, right? The local church. So when we are using our words to do the opposite, to tear down, to like belittle, to weaken, Mm -hmm. like we're we're doing the opposite of what the Spirit comes to do through prophecy. So I think when it comes to warfare, it's just looking at the situations and trying to, you know, practically go, okay, I'm doing this, but now I'm going to do this. Like if you're always holding on to grudges, like we talked about like how if let's somebody offends, if you're, if you're walking around offended, like it's going to move towards bitterness and resentment towards unforgiveness. And you're looking for ways that that person's going to offend you. Like you're collecting injustice Mm -hmm. and then you're probably going to go and gossip with people because of those things. And operating the opposite spirit is like going, okay, I'm looking for ways to, uh, I'm looking for positive interactions with people. I'm looking ways to affirm people and uh, encourage the things that are going on. So there's just a way of navigating some of the culture that you can see by just identifying and naming the things that are happening in, around you. So that's a big one where um, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, like I made a big list in the kingdom of what like kingdom of darkness looks like mm-hmm. and what the opposite in the kingdom of light looks like, you know? So if yeah. you're anxious and living with anxiety, like, and you think it's connected to not just like your 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 brain chemistry or you know you're overloaded and you're exhausted if there's a real spiritual attack coming with anxiety like what does it look like to move towards peace and non-anxious presence and moving mm-hmm. at a, a slower pace intentionally stuff like that yeah i want to get a little bit nerdy right here to oh. just like clarify some things um star wars the big epic struggle light against dark Man, luke skywalker darth go, vader bro. right go. um you're wearing a star wars shirt by i know the way. i'm wearing one Gosh. the best one um <laughs> so i feel like a lot of people view like this light versus dark struggle like darth vader and luke just like struggling and and really getting into it and like who's gonna win and 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 like you know it's intense it's it's dramatic and stuff like this and so when they think about jesus and they think about you know, the enemy, it's like, there's a struggle there. Um, and I love the point that you made where you were asking the question, where's, where's the fight? Where's the battle? Where's the climactic cliffhanger ending? Like, no, Jesus just like, be quiet, Mm. wind and waves and they obey. Yes. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Okay. I'm going to go to Lord of the Rings because I think that would be the most helpful picture. Like when you look at the Lord of the Rings with evil, versus good you see like the orcs and you see like the night riders like mm-hmm. right you see these like monstrous creatures um and you're like wow like they're scary like i mean when they're coming out of the mountain like you know forged by siron um what's his Sauron. name sorry yeah you're like okay this is evil but the night riders are not as powerful as you think and the orcs aren't as powerful as you think right so they're, they're the real threat is not this, um, it's not like the, the orgs or the demonic little creatures flying around. The real threat was the ring. Like that was the ultimate power. That mm-hmm. that was the greatest threat to all of the world. Like it it had this, this seductive power to take the most innocent 
and corrupt it completely. Mm -hmm. Right. So like that. And I think that's what Tolkien's kind of getting at with the, um, with like evil at its worst. It's, It's not, it's not the, the scary night riders or the orgs. It's actually the power for evil to corrupt the most pure, mm. right? Like desire. So like when I look at the battle, which there is a battle that we say, I mean, Satan comes at Jesus at left and right. And he comes when he's fasting and he comes in. How, how does real battle come in? It comes in through a temptation, right? So it comes in through a perversion of opportunity. So for Jesus, it was like the story of temptation with Jesus was in the, in the wilderness was a shortcut to his ministry. Like, so if you really are the son of God, like throw yourself off the cliff, the angels are going to see everyone will worship and bow down. Like the goal is everyone is going to worship and bow down. That is going to happen. Every knee will bow down to Jesus at some point, but the enemy, Satan wanted him to do it without the cross. Yeah. So he's trying to take away the messianic mission, which was simply about obedience to God. It was about God's mission and God's way. So evil oftentimes is the little slight temptation to not be obedient to god's way like that's where the real struggle is and that's where most of the battle is fought to be honest like most of it's there um and most of it is this place of like gentle uh pulling you to outside of your true self pulling you away from god's plan and destiny for your life so that's where most like so temptation is there but when you go down that list like there's harassment oppression you know habitation and then we called it possession in there but the demonization levels are very clear and mm-hmm. everyone can open themselves up to being, you know, exposed to evil spirits. And I think my, my main goal in having the conversation is one to say, this is real. We leave, live in a warfare worldview. We, or we have to live with a warfare worldview, meaning there's a spiritual battle going on. Um, and ultimately we know that it was, def- everything was defeated on the cross and that will be fully realize when the second coming happens Mm -hmm. and when jesus brings heaven to be married to earth there's new earth new creation and new heaven right this is the end of the scriptures that's Mm -hmm. how we know that the story ends in the meantime the devil was stripped of 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 ultimate power over creation and that's been given back to jesus and he's giving it back to his disciples and eventually it says in revelation will reign with christ in the new heaven and new earth um but he's still alive and kicking he's still wreaking havoc he's Mm -hmm. still causing divorce and addiction and there's still poverty like never before and more slavery than ever before and there's climate stuff going on and there's all sorts of problems happening in the world that are causing mass destruction and i believe the scripture teaches there are cosmic beings personal and impersonal beings that are working against god's creation Mm -hmm. and so at the end of the day, when Jesus is confronted by a demon in Mark chapter five, there's no battle. The demon submits, yeah. asks permission, begs, don't send me out of this region. Like what is going on in the spiritual realm? Like we don't, we, we have to use our imagination. There's not much told mm-hmm. in the same way that in Daniel 10, when he fasts for 21 days and the angel says, sorry, I'm late. Uh, you know, God heard you day one. You didn't need to fast for 21 days, but thank you. I got held up by this pa- regional spirit that oversaw it's it, the, the the phrase is prince of persian he's not talking about a literal prince he's talking about a spiritual being that was working against god's messenger this angel that came to deliver a message to daniel that's wild and he's like well and i got held up and i was fighting and then michael came and he let me go and now i'm bringing this message and this is the message but all, like that little like that little bit of scripture that's like hey by the way there's a cosmic battle going on resisting mm-hmm. god's plan to answer a prayer you're like what where did that come from? 
And it's like this little tiny little section in scripture, but that gives you this whole window open to the mm-hmm. spiritual realities that are going on in the same way that the madman submitting in Mark five, the demonized yeah. man submitting to God is showing you the power dynamic. Jesus is the author of life. He, this is not going to be a battle. He created life. He created all things through him. Nothing that has, that has been made has not been made by him. He is the author of life. He is the word of God, the first. And when you realize that, and when you realize like he has conquered death, he has conquered the worst form of death on a cross and he's raised from the dead and now he's sitting on the throne and you're praying to that victorious king that changes how you engage in the battle. Mm. Yeah. I'm preaching now. So no, no, I love it. You're just getting excited over here. I'm like, let's Sorry. go. Yeah, let's do go. It. Um, I wanted to hit a lie yeah. just out of the park right now. Great. Um, uh, and you, t- you kind of touched on it in, in your sermon yesterday or whenever Sunday. that was Sunday. Um, the idea of there being neutral territory yeah. where you know, we as Christians, you know, fully aware of spiritual things um, to the best of our abilities. You know, we go to church, we're praying, we contend, we get exhausted, we're parenting, blah, blah, blah. And then we're just like, oh, I just need some me time. Let me, let me retreat from the battlefront and go sit on the couch and watch Netflix for three hours. And like, just, this is neutral territory. I'm not growing, but I'm also not, you know, getting further away. And there's this lie that we believe that somehow we can find these pockets of the earth yeah. that the enemy and Jesus aren't in battle yeah. over. And it, it, it reminded me of, again, uh, Lord of the Rings, because I think it's a great example. In Middle Earth, while, while Sauron was trying to take over everything through darkness, you see people of like Minas Tirith who are like leading the front lines. They see it and they're like, we we're putting blood and sweat into this yeah. thing to keep the darkness at bay. And then you see the hobbits yeah. chilling yep, just and it looks, out. it looks like they're enjoying peace, peace yeah. and it's, it's almost like this little bubble yeah. and little do, do they know that Aragorn and the Dunedain are all like protecting yeah. this little bubble to, to let them enjoy that. But you really see that, uh, at the end of the books where it's like everyone was affected by this yeah. big struggle. And instead of thinking that there's pockets away yeah. from the, the front lines where we can live in peace, peace comes when evil's destroyed. Yeah. So when we bring the kingdom, yeah. when Jesus comes and wipes out everything and says, peace be still, that's when we get to enjoy the peace mm. that we've been searching for. Yeah. And it's not, it's not because we're retreating or it's not because like we we decided to be away from the front lines right. somehow. Like what, what has been your experience with helping Christians engage with that warfare mindset to yeah. just like, it's not a choice you're in it. Yeah. Well, okay. I think there's a few things. One, most Christians that I know are unaware of a battle. So when I talk about this, they're like, Oh, I, cause they're, they're formed primarily through enlightenment thinking, 1800 philosophy, you know, coming out of the Renaissance into enlightenment, scientific reason, and the scientific revolution to um, rationalistic, materialistic worldview. That's what we have. We have been formed primarily through that thinking, not, you know, there's cosmic beings working against God's good and beautiful creation. Like, we don't have that thinking. So, giving them that worldview is hard for most most people. They're like, if they if they even believe in the spirit, the spiritual side of things, angels, it's, it's like... They have a framework from touched by an angel or like, you know, angels in the outfield. They're not thinking, okay, like if you read Matthew, like people are visited by angels left and right. You read the Old Testament, like these are, this is how God, you know, 
uh, describes the heavenly realms like there are angelic beings all over so that we are we are like fully integrated as the physical and spiritual coexist at the same time it's more of dimensional thinking than it is like spatial um the so so one most people don't think about spiritual warfare they're, they're not engaged two most christians they don't even see their lives as part of god's cosmic plan for redemption mm. They're so, and, and this might sound harsh, but most Christians are just trying to survive life and make Jesus makes them feel better versus engaged as disciple makers. Um, my experience has been the church is sleeping on the mission of God. The church doesn't, for the most part, is unaware of the plan A that God has to use ordinary people as agents of the kingdom expansion here and now bringing life of heaven and resources of heaven through uh, generosity and kindness and joy and preaching the gospel and sharing the kingdom and healing the sick and praying for people and prophesying and, and building communities and building businesses that flourish and so that we are you know extend extending God's kingdom wherever we go most people don't have that most Christians in my opinion don't have that like sense of mandate from the Lord. They're, they don't feel commissioned. They're engaged in more of a consumer-oriented church life, which mm -hmm. is I come on Sundays, I enjoy good teaching, or I'll shop around for a church that fits my preference, that has a good thing for my kids, and you know has easy in-and-out access parking. So when we're talking about warfare, we're talking about a, a kind of fully bought-in disciple who has chosen to submit their life to Jesus in all of the resources and faculties of their life. And so if you're there, so getting to that place, which is a minority of a minority, in my opinion, um, and you see yourself on the front lines, your front lines is your home. Your front lines is your workplace. Your front lines is everywhere you go. There is a space for you to intercede, to be part of building and extending God's way of life. And so your household become many temples, you know, they become a furnace for God's life to flourish. And you're also aware that anything you let into your home as a parent, I think about this a lot. Like I'm I'm responsible for stewarding my children and, and raising them up to be followers of Jesus, but also men of God who bring value to this world. And they do all of those things, but I'm, I have to steward this relationship. And that's why they don't have, they don't have, you know, a phone. My kids are way too young for phones. So they're going to hold out as long as possible. They don't have social media. They barely get to watch. They don't have much screen time at all. They don't play games. Like that sounds super harsh. They play some games and they do watch shows, but I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing that the shows will influence their narratives. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are being influenced left and right from narratives, from streaming platforms, from social media, from our relationships, from the environments we have. And it's not to be like, okay, let's look, you know, with a spotlight for the demons behind every rock and make sure like, you know, we're getting rid of all the skulls in our house. Although I, I do agree that there are images that we take into our home that we should just be aware of. There's probably power connected to them. Um, and I'm saying that, you know, lightly, but just be aware. Mm -hmm. But we should be aware that there is spiritual opposition working against us. And one thing I'll say, and I've said this before, is... Um, do you have, the question I ask people is, do you have a, a life worthy of opposition? Like one of the ways I, I think about Christians is, hey, is your life worthy of being opposed by the enemy? Like, or are you just bought into the culture of the world and he's got you defeated before you even threat. started? You're not a threat. 
But it's it's like, man, are you living out the scriptures? Are you living out what Jesus says about what it means to follow him today? Are you are you raising kids of consequence that will like be impactful, whether they're in public school or homeschooled or private school, like they're living out the faith you have as a parent because you're intentionally discipling? Is your marriage something that you're pursuing Jesus together on? Like there's all sorts of things mm-hmm. and it's all connected. As we kind of tie this up, I do want to counter that a little bit yeah. because what I'm what I'm hearing as a not for me but just to illustrate it Great. for for our audience listening to this is this seems like a lot of work and to to kind of root this in context of another movie because we've been talking about yeah, movies today uh, the matrix the the dude where he's just like then you know the matrix is happening yeah. and he and what's his line he's like yeah. dude ignorance is bliss 100%. like what's what's what do we get out of working so hard yeah. when all when we're on a conveyor belt to heaven like why don't we so just sit good. here and wait yeah, for sure you know what's what's the what's the rush what's the urgency yeah. and what do i get out of it honestly yeah. if i'm going to put in all this effort because that's a lot of work yeah oh man that's a great question it's like would you rather live being used as a battery for machines, not knowing that you're being used as a battery for machines? Or would you rather wake up to a dystopian world that needs the truth and reality and love and joy, which are all weapons of the kingdom of God, right? Mm -hmm. Peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, bringing life the way it was intended to be to the dark parts of this planet. Like this is what we're called into. So it's more of the question of like, do you really want to live or do you want to just coast until you die? And I said this on Sunday, but like Jesus doesn't come to give you life after death. He comes to give you life before life after death. And most of us aren't really living out of the potential that God has destined us with. And the way you get there is through truth you know, through really following Jesus. He says, if you hold to my teachings and you know, you will be my disciples. And if you, um, and if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Like this idea is that, um, we're waking up to the reality that is actually real. It's tangible, not an idea made or sold to us by Netflix. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of what I would say is I don't, I don't think it takes as much work. We're talking about it like mechanics right now. So you're like, Oh my gosh, the systems. But at the end of the day, it's like, you're just living with purpose the way God intended you to live. You're living with joyful relationships. And when opposition comes, you're not terrified. You're joyfully embracing opposition. I love to end like the conversation. When you go to Ephesians and you read about the armor of God, it it's not talking about the armor being used as an offense. It's, it's except for the sword, it's uh, all kind of defense. Like you're living your life. And, and he says it multiple times. Like what's the point is to stand. It's to stand firm. Like our goal is just to stand firm and, and stand firm in the truth of God, stand firm in the truth of Christ, in the word of God. And, and when we're standing um, and aware of the opposition around us because we've girded ourselves with all the things that we need for the spiritual battle, um, we, we, we go into the world uh, doing what we're normally doing, but in with a different spirit, with a different power. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that William Wallace quote, you know, go every there. man dies, but not every man truly lives. Can you say it with a Scottish accent? I'm not going to try to do that to <laughs> myself. Say it one more time. Though. Say it to it. 
every man dies, yeah. but not every man truly lives. And like, that's the, that's the thing. Mm. And a lot of, a lot of Christians miss it is that we're looking forward to, to eternity. Like, yeah. yes, yeah. that's, that's a thing that's, you know, if, if we're, you know, if we're, if we've been hunkering down and you've just been dealing with life, it's like, that, that is a joy to look yeah. forward to. Yeah. But I think what we're getting at here is like, if we're going to lean in, Jesus says there's joy to the fullest. Yeah living life to the fullest, yeah. the best of what God intended for when he created the universe for us yeah. to enjoy. It's like, we get to do that now, yeah. like the kingdom now it's present yeah. and we get to enjoy the, the wonderful relationships, the intimacy with the father as we look forward to heaven. Yeah. It's not, it's not an escape clause. It's like, yeah. we're doing that now. And if we're going to be living, you know, fully fully aware of the matrix mm-hmm. and we're not even a part of that we're we're conscious we're awake um why wouldn't we want to invite other people into that yeah you know and and this is something that gets me excited it obviously gets yeah. you excited and we want uh the people of garden church to lean into this as, yeah. as well to wake up to if you're not connected to a house church like get totally get in in touch with a house church uh, yes. uh come on sundays to the welcome cart uh, email us uh, yeah. on our website, garden.church. Mm. We want to get you plugged in. We we have classes, we have yeah. resources. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we're talking right now yeah. uh, through this medium is because we want gardeners who call Garden Church home uh, and other people that care about the ministry that God's doing here to be radical disciples that are bringing the kingdom with them mm. to live life to the fullest and to have authority that we get to relax it relax in. We're not yeah. striving for it. We have it and we get to wield it in a way that the demons flee. That's right. And they never, they never come back. I love it. I'm going to end with one thing. Cause when I was teaching Sunday, there was like this emphasis on agreements and I, you know, I didn't read it in every te- uh, service, but there's this passage in Corinthians that talks about like the weapons we use are not weapons that are, you know, mm-hmm. of this world. And and it talks about like taking your thoughts captive and this idea we take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. And I think one of the primary ways we're attacked by the enemy is believing false beliefs, false lies, lies and false ideas about ourselves and about God and about others. And I used the example of like having an experience as a kid and you develop a narrative that's not true and then you live like you're not enough and you you have this experience and now you don't feel loved by people or by your family and so you develop a, a false belief system that causes you to perform or to earn love and then you bring that into the church and you do that towards god you do that towards your relationships and now you have this entire like field of lies that you've allowed to grow in your life mm-hmm. and enemies plagues you with this and that will destroy community it will destroy friendships and relationships and it will it will cause you to do things out of compromise because it's, you're you're living from a false self and those start small like mm-hmm. they start as an agreement like i am not enough or i'll never change i'll always be an addict i'll my husband will never love me the way i want and we we create these agreements these ideas that are powerful contracts that the enemy uses over and over again to exploit our lives. And so I just want to say, I feel like if people are listening right now 
to take an inventory, to think about the lies you've adopted about yourself and, and see them as an agreement with the enemy. And I, I mean that sincerely. And then take them, take responsibility for them um, and confess them as sin offer repentance by by claiming truth like if you're like i'm not enough i'm never going to be enough all these things you say well no in christ i am the beloved i am more than enough i am more than a conqueror um and and i reject this as lie and i I confess this as a lie of a false belief and please lord forgive me for believing that because i know you say this is true and that alone is part of a huge battle that we need as disciples and so i just want to put this on the podcast that was a big part of this sermon for me where I watched in ministry time mm-hmm. loads of people identify lies, identify like narratives about themselves since they were children mm-hmm. and confront them and just really get impacted. And so I just want to encourage church just constantly be doing that, like looking at ways that you're operating out of lies and false self and false ideas and false beliefs and, and break those agreements and move towards Christ. And lastly, just remember to operate in the opposite spirit. If the, the spirit of the world is around you, causing you to be critical and negative, move towards affirmation and life-giving mm-hmm. you know, stuff. So anyways. No, I it. love it so much. Thank you, um, Darren, would you pray yeah. over us, yeah. over our community? Yeah, Lord, I, I thank you for this beautiful congregation, this community that is growing in this time. And I thank you for everyone listening. I pray that those that are listening to this unique podcast would experience radical healing, deliverance, and revelation of your love and goodness, that they would be set free from false beliefs and lies that they've embodied, that you would protect them, Lord Jesus, from these schemes and attacks of the enemy on their families, on their on their mind, on their heart, on their bodies, on their jobs, on their money, on their whole being. God, I just pray that you protect the church from the schemes of the devil, and that you would build us up in, in Christ, Lord, that you would build us up as a temple, a household of God, and that we would stand strong as we move forward in ministry together. I bless all the families that are listening, all the parents, all the singles, all those that are wandering towards you, God, just fill them with life and love, and we bless you and we honor you in the risen Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.